Hey everybody, it's Associate Pastor Jeff Boyette here at Grace Chapel Fairview, and welcome to our podcast. Our prayer for you today is that you will lean into the message and that you'll walk away feeling inspired and changed, bringing you a new perspective on how Jesus is moving in your life. Let's join Pastor Ian. Amen, amen. Thank you, Kelly. Beautiful morning of worship, y'all. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 28 as we get there. I just want to tell you, as I said before, Ian's on vacation. They decided that their rest and respite was going to come at the beach. A couple of weeks ago, you may have heard, he stood at the pulpit and he said, the boyettes are on vacation, like three weeks ago. And we chose for our rest and respite to be Walt Disney World. Those of you who aren't laughing have not been to Walt Disney World in a pandemic. So there's a lot of things, the record temperatures that week. It was hard. You had the masks on. You got yelled at by old and young alike. Like there was no, like they, if they were old, they would yell at you. If they were young, they would yell at you. If your nose was showing, if the mask just slipped down over your nose, you got yelled at. Several rides were broken. We went from park to park to park. And I am a, I'm a planner. Heather and I like to plan, but I really, as far as the travel goes, I like to book the travel, right? So I like to book the, the plane and, and, and all of that stuff. And it actually was cheaper for us to fly to Disney than it was for us to rent a car and to get everybody in and to drive. And that's a much easier thing. So when I was booked, I also like to save a little bit of money. And so going there, it was a normal, normal plane, you know, like going to Disney, it was, you know, average, it was a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks a person. But then coming back, I was save some money. And I was like, ooh, we're going to save some money. All we got to do is just get up at 6.30. Like we got to be at the airport at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, awesome. That's great, right? What I forgot about, so we have this magical, the Disney Magical Express is a bus. For those of you who haven't been to Disney, it's a Magical Express. It is a bus that picks you up. When you get to the airport, it picks you up. By the way, there's an hour wait just in that line to take us to Disney. And it takes you to your hotel. And then here's what I forgot. Until the envelope slid underneath the door the day before, Magical Express picks you up three hours before your flight. So my family and I, at three o'clock in the morning, are waiting in the dark. By the way, that was the smallest line at Disney. We are waiting in the dark to get on the Magical Express. Well, we get loaded in. Everything's, everything's going well. We're like, okay, now we're going to the airport. We can close our eyes, kind of relax now. And this sweet guy did the Disney, the Disney thing where he gets on and he's talking to you and hyping you up for next year and the next time you come, because that's his job. And it's also, you know, really, really early. And he says, this is where this sermon idea comes from. He says <laughs> these things. He says, well, we hope y'all had, how many of y'all had fun at Disney this week? It's like spattering applause because it's three o'clock in the morning, Right. And then he followed it up with this. How many of y'all are ready to go home so you can rest? And it hit me. Even Disney knows you can't rest at Disney. Like, that's part of it. And I know that probably many of you guys have had like other, other stories. You've gone to, on a cruise, you've gone to islands or whatever, and it feels it's just the thing that when you come back from vacation, you have to have a vacation to recover from your vacation. That's just what we do, right? And so I want you to, I want you to, to kind of uh, be, be patient with me today. Uh, we're going to talk, we have the focus question today is where is rest? Because if we can't find rest on vacation, where can we find it? Maybe we can't find rest on vacation. It's because maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Okay? So follow with me, if you would. Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. 
This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father God, we just, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Help us right now to just get out of the way, to set aside distractions, and to focus on you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you Google the word rest, I still got to get used to saying that. It's like what we say. It was like when you Google something, like that's the way of life. When you Google the word rest, there are 334 million results that pop up. 334 million. Google says rest is to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. Webster's Dictionary defines rest as a bodily state characterized by minimal functional metabolic activities. Yeah. Freedom from activity or labor. I love that part. Now, if I took a survey of everybody that was watching at home and everybody in this room, and I said, do we agree with that definition of rest? Most of us would go, I like it. I like it because that's what it sounds like, right? That's the physical rest, especially the freedom from activity or labor, right? But I want you to have patience, like I said this morning, and an open mind because physical rest and soul rest, although intertwined, and you're going to see that at some point, they're just different. They're so different. So I'm going to try to make three points today as we go. And these are things that might be preventing you from finding rest. And when I say you, I mean me. One, you're not connected, okay? So the scripture, I'm just going to stop with, it's going to be up there, but I'm going to stop with three words, the first three words in verse 28, come to me, right? It's an invitation from, Je- from Jesus. It's an invitation to connect with him. Like this is something you physically have to do. You physically have to make forward progress in an effort to turn away from whatever it is that's got your attention toward him and make progress toward, does that sound familiar? Repentance, turn away from it, right? As far as I know, and, I, and I, I'm a fairly educated dude, I, not in physics or science, I was kind of terrible at that right? But as far as I know, you cannot come to anything by retreating in the opposite direction or walking backwards. You have to make forward progress, right? And I, I, the, the, the illustration I have for that is this, for those of you who are parents and you remember your babies, like my babies aren't babies anymore, but I remember them as babies when they just learned to walk and all I had to do, all you had to do as a parent was just this right here. And then that stumble and that laugh... <laughs> right? And they would fall and then they would cry and then they would get up and they would laugh and they'd come to you. But all it was was an invitation. It was just like, you didn't have to say a word. Come to me, right? And that's what it's, it, it just affects me because that's what Jesus is, Jesus is saying to us, right? And so how can we connect? I got three different ways that I want to talk about. There's probably more than this for sure for you, but I want to focus on these three ways. Read his word, pray, and to worship. And I know this might be a time it's like it's easy to check out and go, uh, read his word, pray, and worship. I know, Jeff, I know that I'm supposed to do that, but I struggle. I do too. As a pastor, 
I struggle with these things too, and I shouldn't, but I do sometimes. So we're going to try to put some, some application to it, right? So what does the Bible say about study and read his word? Hebrews 4.12, I love this, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Like, we can take it to battle. That's what a sword is for. A two-edged sword is for battle. It is to defeat your enemy, right? Jesus did this. When he was tempted in the desert, by the end, by the end when, did, when he said, make these stones, you're hungry. Make these stones into bread. Jesus replied with his word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's in Matthew, right? He quoted Deuteronomy from the Old Testament to the devil. He was in battle. He used a two-edged sword. And with every temptation the devil threw out there, Jesus battled it with God's word by quoting the word. Psalm 119, 11, I love this. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And hidden here means not hidden like from anybody to see, like, but, but stored up. It's concealed. It's right there. When I need it, I can refer to it, and I'm not going to sin against you. Beloved, God doesn't, and Ian said this last week, but God doesn't love you more for reading the Bible, right? The more that it's in you, the more it lives out of you. We can do it alone. We can read alone. We can read with others. You even have apps now. If you're like, I just don't have time to read the Bible. Like, I, gotta, I go to work, right? If you have an hour in the car on the way there and an hour on the way back, they have apps that literally will read the Bible to you. I don't have any particular app. They have apps that if you have a hard time sleeping, you can put it on. You can sleep to the Word, right? There's all kinds of things that we can do and in reading the Word. Another way we connect, prayer. We did it here today. You can pray for yourself. You can pray for others. What does the Bible say about prayer? Now, in the morning, this is talking about Jesus, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That's Mark 135. Jesus, throughout Scripture, is always setting the example. Throughout Scripture, he's, he's, he's showing us how he connects to the Father and is showing us how we can connect to him. He departed to a solitary place. Like, this is where we get quiet time. Like, he goes, he has quiet time. Jesus goes away from people, from distractions, from other things, and he has his own quiet time and goes to the Father. James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I always refer, when I'm thinking about Jesus praying, my mind, I don't know why, but my mind always goes to him praying in the garden. And he's asking the Father, Can you, will you take this cup from me? If you won't, your will be done, right? But he kept going back to the disciples who were doing what? Sleeping. They were sleeping. Y'all, the disciples walked in step with Jesus. They watched him perform miracles. And yet in his time of need, although they didn't really know what was going on, he tried to explain it to them, in his deepest time of need where he was being attacked so much so that he bled in his sweat, he would go back to the disciples and he was like, can you just stay awake for an hour? One hour to pray. And what he says is, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak, right? It's incredible to me that they walked alongside, but what that does is that it sets an example. 
You know, it's a reminder to us that even though it's, our, it's a good intention for us to pray, that sometimes, a lot of times, our flesh gets in the way. Our exhaustion gets in the way. Our eyelids get in the way. Y'all, I can't be the only one that has fallen asleep during a prayer. There is no possible way. Like Heather and I, when we pray together, and like when, if there's times when we go to bed at the same time, which that's as rare, that's rare. But when we pray together, we are both infamous for falling asleep on the other one while we are praying. It's like, wow, I really knocked you out with that one. That was a good one. Hallelujah. So prayer. My daughters, yesterday I asked them both, I asked, I said, what are, what are some ways that you connect with God? And Jordan, who is going to be a senior, whoop, whoop, that's hard for me to believe. She says, I talk out loud. And I asked her if, she could, if, I, could, if I could say this. And she said, I talk out loud. And I said, why? And this could be hard for me. Sorry. She said, because I know he's listening when others are ignoring me. So proud as a father to know she's communicating with God. So heartbreaking to know that I am probably one who's ignoring her. I'm so sorry. I love you. Woo! All right. So, dads, pay attention to kids. Something that I do when I get distracted... um, if I'm praying and I just, can't, I just can't focus or whatever, I say the Lord's Prayer. I started, the Lord put this on my heart, like to, to focus me back in, to bring me back in. Started saying the Lord's Prayer, like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the, and not just saying it, not reciting it religiously, listening to it, listening. Like I'm focused on something else and like all of a sudden, like blah, 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 and I just bring it back in with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And for whatever reason, what it does to me is it brings me right back into focus. Right? And that helps me. It might help you. Another thing is making a list to pray uh, for people. Like a visual always helps, right? You can have a visual. Sometimes it's easier to see who you're praying for. You're not forgetting what they asked for. Join a prayer team. You know, we did that this morning. It's great. It's awesome. Y'all, listen, I, I know that it's unorthodox, for, especially if you're new to Grace Chapel, right? I know that it's unorthodox for, to go up and share your prayers with somebody that you may not know. I know it doesn't feel right a lot of times, right? I can, but I can tell you that the people who are praying for you prayed for you before you ever walked in this room and they didn't even know you were going to be here. They prayed for your needs, right? It's not required for you to go to them, but man, is it freeing to have Patty and Alan and whomever just pray over your situation, whatever it might be, right? And so that's an invitation. That's an opportunity for to connect. Another way that we can connect, we can worship in song. Jan Smith, nobody knows the name Jan Smith. It's Justin Bieber's vocal coach. <laughs> Who knew the JB needed a vocal coach? I guess all of them need a vocal coach, but she says this, music, she's talking about music. I don't know if she's a Christian or she's not, but it touched me. Music gets access to your soul without permission. And then I tie that to worship music. And I have to ask the question, do we let the Holy Spirit access our soul without permission 
are we approaching it like this? Are we approaching it like, are we easily distracted? Are we focused on, we talked about it before worship, so before those cameras ever came on. Are we focused at, on other people's voice? Oh, that's a really great voice. Listen to that. Or, oh my goodness, that person should not be singing, right? Are we distracted by the fact that somebody's raising their hands? Like, why are they raising their hands? Y'all, I got to tell you, in my past, when I would raise hands during worship, not saying anything specific about where I was, but I got looked at like, a, like somebody was like, Boyette has a question. <laughs> and if two hands went up, it was like, Boyette's got two questions. <laughs> like, we got to stop. We got to stop. We got to find out what Jeff needs. Like, there's something exciting here. Are you distracted? If somebody's worshiping with flags in the back, are you watching them and not paying attention to what's going on in front? We all have our ways of worship, and what I'm asking is for us to gain access, like give the Holy Spirit free access to us, no distractions. Are we doing that, right? What does the Bible say about worship? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing and, uh, one another in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's Colossians 3, 16 and 17. For those of you who don't know anything really or don't really read a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff, I love C.S. Lewis. Um, he's, he's very, he's so rich and just uh, like, he's not rich financially, I understand what you're thinking, but his words are rich. And sometimes you got to reread them because it's like, man, how deep can you go with words? Like he was a wordsmith, right? But he was also, before he became a Christian, before he had that salvation moment, he was an atheist and he didn't understand worship. He even talked about it. You know, he talks about it. But when he became a Christian, he said this, and I'm going to have to read this slow. So listen, listen carefully here. I think we delight, talking about worship, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the joy is not complete until it is expressed. It is not out of compliment that those who love one another keep on telling each other how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And thinking about that in worship, right? And I, here, let, me, let me put it this way. If I think to myself how beautiful my wife is, Mm. <laughs> but I never express to her how beautiful she is, then the joy that I feel inside of me is undone. It's not expressed. I haven't expressed it. That's what he's saying about worship, right? Expressing it, there's a freedom in that. One of my favorite scriptures, Acts 16, 25 and 26, and I've preached on this before on this verse, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains, everyone's chains were loosed. Worship brings a loosening of chains. There is spiritual war warfare going on around you all the time. And I can tell you, beloved, like, <laughs> it's far more difficult for the enemy of your soul to gain control of your thoughts when you are praising God aloud in song. Is it impossible? No. Depends on where you are. But it is far more difficult when you are praising aloud. 
I know I'm talking about my family a lot, but Heather has a, a beautiful, unmistakably vibrato. <laughs> it's lovely. She's got her head down over there. But here's why I'm bringing that up. Because to her, it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And we, and we make, we, as, we have joy in that. There's a lot of laughter. We have her imitate her vibrato and sing. And it's like, oh, and it's funny, right? But she tells this story about her praising in her car and making, literally making a joyful noise because Heather thinks she can't sing. She thinks she can't sing. And guess what? It doesn't matter. Because you are making a joyful noise and you are worshiping. And she has this, this thing where she says, you know, um, God placed in her mind while she was worshiping, she just stopped and she started laughing because God placed in her mind, oh, how precious. <laughs> As a parent would say to their baby doing something so sweet, how precious. And she stopped and she laughed and she was like, thank you for that, God. That's a story that's part of her testimony because that's what, that's, that is her connecting to God. Now, if there's a car full of us, she may not praise as loud, but she was by herself. She will praise to the top of her lungs. And what she calls making a joyful noise, he calls intimacy. Right? If you've never experienced the joy of worship in a foreign country, man, alive, you're missing out. I got to tell you, I've been to, to different places, but Russia, I mean, it's underground. It's a communist country, and they're worshiping with all that they have. I spoke to a friend about, uh, uh, of mine, I think it was, I can't remember where they were, it was somewhere in Belize or somewhere like that, but they don't stop. There is no time schedule to stop worship. They worship. And if you can imagine them coming to churches, the American church, and seeing us worship, where it is timed out, it is very specific, it is this, and there may or may not be activity in the worship, right? They don't understand. Like, y'all, come on. We have all seen it. And I'm not saying everybody, because I, I, you know, sometimes I can get lost in it too, but we have seen this before. Sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. Sing, sing, sing. Grateful that you hear us when we shout your name. Like that is how worship in American churches can be. If we don't release, if we don't connect, I'm not saying that that's what our church does, right? But, but I'm like, I'm talking to me, I've been in that spot before where I was like, oh man, I'm just not there right now. And I don't want to be there, right? So it can, be, it can be funny for an outsider to watch, especially somebody from a foreign country to do that. Like we can miss it completely, whether it's the joy of worship or prayer or the word, because it can become about uh, ceremony or about habit, like bad habit, not good habit. You know, we make good habits and then we have bad habits or religiosity, but our connection opportunities begin to weaken and we miss the blessing when we don't connect. We need to ask God in those times and in those scenarios why we're struggling. And that's another thing we just don't do. Like we're, if we're embarrassed by it or we think that God can't handle it, like why, Lord, can I just pray without falling asleep? Lord, why can't I just lose myself in worship? Why is it so hard for me to pick up your word and just get myself lost in it, to read, you know? We need to find ourselves. We need to, we need to just place ourselves into, a, into 
that relationship that is close enough that we can say to God, you know, Lord, help me in those areas, right? Reading, praying, worshiping, they're actions that renew us spiritually. Paul's challenge in Romans 12, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're not connecting and a renewing of the mind isn't happening, then we need to be in a place where we can ask God why. So the first point was you're not connected. The second point, you're not disconnected, okay? Point of scripture of that, first part, come to me. Second one, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice that it says all. It doesn't say Baptists. It doesn't say non-denominational or Church of Christ or or Catholics or Methodists. It says all. And this is not the kind of labor, Jesus isn't talking about the kind of labor here that is, that's work, right? Physical work. You ever feel like you're, you, we say this, and I know you do, because I do, you ever feel like you're carrying the world on your shoulders? Right? That's what he's talking about. That's the labor that he's talking about. Am I thin enough? Am I pretty enough? Is my, is my car cool enough? Is my house big enough? Do I go to the right college? Do I have the right friends, right? Intensely, here's the other thing, intensely laboring to save yourself by works instead of by grace and the blood of Jesus. We can labor too much in those, ti- in, in those times, you can be pressed down and exhausted by the heavy load of the world. He says heavy laden. That's a burden. That's, again, that's being loaded down. Y'all, we get loaded down I don't, with past sin, right? This guilt of God's wrath because for some reason we think that God could never forgive me for what I did then. There's no way. I've had those conversations. And it went something like this. Well, can you surrender to Jesus? I can't. Why? Because he would never forgive me for what I did. Y'all, that is a lie from hell. He will and he does. And it's easier than you think it is. But what you have to do is you got to get over yourself. You got to get past that ego that you think it's all about you. Move past that point. Jesus is telling us, he's inviting us into a simpler way. He says, your way equals disappointment. My way equals rest. Family, we have to disconnect from those ways, and you can't do it alone. Jesus knows that's why he's offering this solution. Other ways that we have to disconnect, social media. Look, I don't even have to, I don't even have to say it. I don't have to say it, but I'm going to. Like the anger that brings us, that, that, that builds inside of us because of social media, it's not healthy. It is not healthy. You're trying to figure out if somebody's post has anything to do with you. That's a problem. That's a problem. Like, oh my gosh, that is, oh, he's really upset. Is that about, I had that conversation with him last, I wonder if that's about me. Get over yourself, right? Get past it. The hypnotic trance that, that, that social media and everything has on. All right, I got to tell the story. I'm going to throw Ian under the bus. Ian and Isaac and I were going to lunch a long time ago. This was months and months ago. And we're going to lunch and we're talking about something serious. And we're working our way down the hill toward Bellevue where, it, you know, it's just straight downhill. And there's, it's really relaxing. It's really lovely. Girls are behind us in another car because we couldn't get everybody in a car. And I'm talking and I'm sharing things and then just silence. And I realized that they're like, 
scrolling through their Facebook timeline, and I said, you guys are jerks. Are you kidding me right now? Like, I am absolutely sharing my heart on what we were discussing, and you are, like, looking at your Facebook timeline. We shared a laugh about it, right? And then we got over it. They put their phones aside for a second. I think Ian even got off Facebook for a while. Maybe not. Not because of that. But look, I get it. YouTube. You know, it starts with videos of people falling down because they're funny, right? And then it leads to the, the, the videos that are titled, this video will leave you speechless. And you're like, I got to watch that. Like, it's going to leave you speechless. And at the end of the 14 minutes, you go, ah, you're speechless because you have no idea why the video was titled, this is going to leave you speechless. And so sometimes we just have to say to the world, we got to say, stop. We have to stop. And we have to breathe. And you have to look. And you have to listen. You got to listen for God and you got to pay attention to what is right in front of you. I love what... Man, Psalm 23 is a perfect example of that. What David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. These thoughts that David's sharing here, they don't come from a man who's frantic and behind and anxious. Like he has, he's a shepherd. He knows shepherding, right? He put himself in the place of the sheep. God, you are my shepherd. You are guiding me. He is disconnected from the world. He is recognizing the things that are around him in green pastures, not in dry, dusty, dead pastures, in green pastures. It leads me beside still waters. Why? Because when I'm thirsty, I can take a drink right? David is paying attention. We need to do this. So what does disconnecting look like to you? Is it a walk in the beach? Is it a walk in the woods? Is it working out? Is it Disney World? It's not, trust me, it is not. <laughs> it is not Disney World. So point one, you're, you're not connected. Point two, you're not disconnected. Point three, and probably the most difficult for me to even say out loud you don't trust God. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me tell you the yoke importance here. The yoke importance here in Jesus, um, uh, there's, there's, he's approaching this in two different ways, right? He's doing the agricultural sense of the yoke, which is what I'm gonna focus on. This is a, uh, this is a teaching moment from Jesus, right? The illustration of a, of a yoke, which by the way, as a carpenter, he probably made them. Most likely he did. But if you, if you see it, it's like, a t, it's like a bar. It's got a, a round circle here for the neck of one oxen and one on this side, right? But it's for two. It's for two oxen. You wouldn't put an ox and a donkey together, right? You would put two ox together. And just real quick, kind of what I learned about it is what, when, when someone is training um, in, in a yoke, two oxen in a yoke, you would always take one that knows what they're doing, an experienced ox, and put it with an ox that doesn't because it doesn't take long for the, small, for the other ox, the younger, the brand new ox, to learn what they're supposed to do. Jesus says that, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It has to be taken. Take my yoke. It has to be taken. 
You have to learn from him. He says it, learn from me. Teaches us to walk in step with him. And walking in step with Jesus, y'all, I mean, it sounds beautiful and it is beautiful, but it comes with challenges. When you're walking in step with Jesus, it comes with persecution. It comes with pain. It comes with all of these things. Jesus tells us these, right? But you cannot be a closet Christian. You have to accept these things. You can't go, oh, yeah, I want to walk alongside you, Lord, but I want to be out here outside the yoke. I'll just watch what you're doing. You have to join him in his work. You have to walk step in step. Charles Spurgeon, who I love reading Spurgeon things, um, he says it this way, the rest of the Christian is found not in cowardice, but in courage. It lies not in providing for ease, but the brave endurance of suffering for the truth. Take my yoke is the invitation to walk in step with Jesus, to learn and to trust Him. But, like I said, it's not easy. It's certainly easier than the way of the world, right? But it comes with those things, with persecution, with pain. It comes with rejection. But it also comes with a promise of rest from the one who is gentle and lowly in heart. Today's Pentecost Sunday as I said earlier, and I believe that this is, this is typically something we don't really talk about a lot, but I believe that this is a, the perfect illustration of connecting and disconnecting and trusting God, all of those things put together. So Acts 1 tells us that after his suffering, the risen Jesus appeared to his disciples and he taught them and he ate with them and he, he taught them about the kingdom of God over 40 days, right? And then verse 4 tells us, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the guys were excited, like, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now? Is it going to happen right now? And he's like, the timing is not for you to know. It's my Father that's going to put that timing out there, but you shall receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. And then it's gone. It's ascended into heaven. Leaving those guys who just hung out with someone who they watched die, who they watched come to life, who, they, who came back to them and hung out with them for 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. So they waited and they prayed they filled Judas the betrayer's role with Matthias. And then chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to, to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And people, y'all, people were confused. Like, they didn't know. Like, why are they speaking my language? They didn't speak my language. I'm hearing my language too. Like, all of these languages were coming together. People were understanding them in their language, and they knew better. Some of them said they're drunk. They got to be drunk. Like, it's too much wine. How they get their drunk out of being able to speak the language that they didn't know before, I have no idea. But 3,000, it gave, the Holy Spirit came, gave them power. 
3,000 people were immediately into the kingdom. 3,000. It was the beginning of the church as we know it today because they trusted God and waited on the promise of the Holy Spirit who would give them power, and it happened. And I got to say, I'm not sure if I was then, if I was there then, that, that it would have been one of those things for me that I would have been like, yeah, let's wait, let's wait, let's just wait, let's just wait, right? Like I just, for 40 days, I hung out with Jesus and he said, you're going to go into all these places and you're going to you know, make disciples of all these nations. And you're like, yeah, let's go, let's just go. Why don't we just go? Let's go right now. Like, why are we waiting? But they did, they waited on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he shows up and he gives them power that they need to begin the ministry, and 3,000 people, boom, and then it just grows. They connected to God, point one. They disconnected from, and what I say, like the stretch probably for me is they disconnected from the past, from the pain, from, from the betrayer, Judas, and they moved forward by putting Matthias in, right? And they trusted God because they waited on the Holy Spirit not going after, after what they could do in their own arrogance. They waited on Jesus. So the question, question that we wanted to explore today as we end and we wrap up here was where is rest? And maybe it's not what you expected, right? And maybe you're, you're hoping more for that Google and that Webster definition. I'm not sure. But I think after next week when we talk about Sabbath, then you'll see how those, how those intertwine together. So I got to ask you today, have you connected? Have you connected? By accepting the invitation from Jesus in prayer, reading the word, praising, whatever that is for you, but mostly accepting the invitation from Christ, come to me. Have you disconnected from the ways of the world, self-fixing, carrying the load? Have you let your sin go? Have you repented and turned away from it, right? He will take your load. Do you, third point, do you trust God with everything? Every moving part of your life, have you taken his yoke? The last thing he said was my yoke in that verse. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't know about you, but that's the rest that I want. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for showing up here today. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you, to study your word, and to pray. Lord, we ask that you would go with us this week and and apply all of these things, Father. Help us to connect to you. Help us to disconnect from things that are a distraction to us, Lord. And most importantly, help us to, to trust you and your promises of eternity. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.